Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. everybody what's going on welcome to another episode of the nomad strength show i'm ross hillier your host today we've got a really cool episode i'm really excited about i got to talk with aaron stacy of primal run coaching i have been following aaron uh for several months now and we get into this in the conversation but i've been recently just kind of fascinated by the concept of ultra running and you know i i've yet to decide if that's really a, a pursuit that I want to go down, but I'm fascinated by the people who do it and the concept of it. And uh, he came into into my feed at kind of right at this time where I was really starting to see a lot more of it and be, you know, curious about it. So uh, he puts out a lot of really great content and the stuff that he does is really cool. And so I wanted to talk to him about it and how he got into ultra running and it actually evolved into a pretty cool conversation that in a lot of senses, didn't have anything to do with ultras. Um, but we had a really great conversation. He's also a basketball coach and has done youth sports for, uh, coach youth sports for a long time. So we got into a really cool conversation about that and, you know, kind of the AAU culture and where that's taken youth sports. And uh, we went a lot of different ways with this. Uh, but primal run coaching is his operation. And we get into a little bit of that as well, like where the primal aspect of it came from. And, you know, we come to find out that he and I are cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways. So this was just a really cool conversation to connect with him and, and get to know what he's doing and see what he's about a little bit more. So I really encourage you guys to go check him out. We also mentioned a cool fundraiser uh, that he's doing this year to help uh, at-risk youth. And uh, I will post the link for all that information in the show notes here, but he'll give you the rundown on it at the end of the episode. So here is my interview with Aaron Stacy of Primal Run Coaching. <laughs> All right, we are here with Aaron Stacy of Primal Run Coaching. Aaron, thanks for making time today, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Yeah, for sure. I've been, uh, like we had talked a, a couple of times here the last few days. I've followed your stuff for a long time. And I can't even remember who I actually came across your page through. 
Um, but I'm really interested and fascinated in, in all these things like ultra running and, you know, these crazy 100 plus mile or, you know, 50 plus mile type races and stuff like that. I came from the track world, you know, and yeah. I didn't do any that kind of distance. Like I was a, I was a multi. So the longest the longest thing I ran competitively was a 1500 meter. And that was the last event of the decathlon. Oh, well, miserable. <laughs> yeah. And it's miserable at that point And it's not, it's never fun. So I like, I'm like, well, if this is all distances, then screw this, man. Well, but, when you're a teenager, <laughs> 1500 meters is that's distance. Oh, and that was in, I was in college too. And so that was, it, okay. it was not, it was not fun even then, but that, you know, at the end of two days worth of other events that, that just bust you up. I mean, yeah, yeah. any other time 1500 wouldn't have been bad, but then I see like, like I see you guys, like you and other guys that I've seen do ultra stuff. And it's like, Hey, you did you know, 40 miles today. It was a nice little run. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, so, uh, so this kind of stuff, you know, you, you've coached and you've done fitness thing for a little bit. You mentioned to me, you coach basketball for a long time, but, uh, you know, where did the ultra and this super long distance thing kind of become an interest for you? Like, how did you get involved in that world? Um, I, I had no intention of ever doing it. Mm. Um, so my background is like yours is in track. Mine was in basketball. Okay. You know, I, I, I grew up my entire life. That's, uh, uh being a basketball guy, coaching it, playing it. And uh, I never like thought of myself as a distance runner, but I always um, had friends in that world, and uh, I always admired them. And I always thought, God, I wish I could do something like that, but I just never thought that it was possible. I always, I always, uh, you know, thought of myself as a non-runner. You know, it's something I, not something I could do. Um, and long story short, my uh, my oldest daughter Maggie, she got into uh, her freshman year of high school. She got into uh, track and cross country, and and after years of playing soccer, she found out she was actually a pretty good distance runner. Mm. So, um, I had at that point in my life, I had kind of let myself go physically. I was mm. hunting heavy, and and um, you know my my health just wasn't a priority. You know, my whole life sure. it was, but for about a about a six year period, I just completely let myself go, and I just focused on chasing ducks. And um, so, when Maggie started running, I thought that'd be cool if I could, you know, drop a few pounds and maybe go out and run a couple miles with her here and there. You know what I mean? Sure. And um, and so, just one thing led to another, and and you know, I have this uh, kind of. I don't know that I have OCD, but I have an addictive personality. So when I get into something, I go full tilt, you know, like yeah. kind of like uh, when I got into the hunt, when I got into hunting ducks for about 12, 13 years, man, I just, that's all I did. I lived and breathed it. And to the yeah. point where I let my health go, you know, mm. so I took what should have been a fun, healthy hobby hunting and I, I made it unhealthy right. in a sense because I, I neglected you know, my health. And so, um, so I've kind of put that aside now and this is kind of what I do. So one thing led to another, I, you know, I, I got to a point where I could run four miles and six miles and eight miles. And, mm -hmm. um, my wife and I, we went down to the Avenue of the giants, which is a, um, a local race. It's a marathon, but we signed up for a little 5k that they have going on on the side. And, and she said, uh, 
they were offering us the opportunity to upgrade to a half marathon. And she goes, I know you want to do that. <laughs> I said, babe, I, you know, I'm, I'm running like six miles right now. I, I, I can't do that. So she kind of dared me into doing it. And, uh, I did it and, uh, it hurt like hell. And, um, but afterwards I felt like Superman and I got home, I sat on the couch, I got on my phone and I started looking up races <laughs> and then it just snowballed from there, man. Got the next um, one on I the calendar know, circled. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, I used to work with a, an ultra marathon runner. He's since moved on okay. and retired, but, um, so it was, it was something that was kind of in the back of my mind. I, I kind of knew what it was, but I didn't really understand the whole world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so once I started looking up races, um, I ran a couple of road marathons, you know, and it really wasn't yeah. my gig. Um, and I grew up backpacking and hunting. So being up in the mountains and on trails, is just, that's where I'm comfortable at. So I thought, yeah. man, this is, this is perfect, you know? Um, and it's just, it just grew from there. And I've met a few local buddies of mine and we do them together. And, that's and awesome. uh, you know, that's pretty much how I got into it. So with, uh, as, as you started getting into those, did the races just get longer and longer and longer and longer? Did. Or did you just like day one, you'd be like, nope, let's train for the hundred miler right away. Like, did you build yourself up to that, that distance or anything like that? I'm a, yeah. I, I'm a baby steps guy. Yeah. You know, I'm into progression, you know, yeah. um, there's people out there, man, who just say, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to jump right into doing the big one. And yep. <laughs> more power of those big guys are, <laughs> and gals are awesome. They're incredible. Yeah. They're crazy. Uh, yes. But I, I need those baby steps, you know. So, um, you know, I did the half marathon. I did a marathon. And then um, and then I did uh, started training for 50Ks, local 50K races. Yeah. Uh, from there, I jumped up to a couple uh, 50 milers. And, and then um, last year, November, I did my first 100 miler. Oof. How was that and, experience? Um, and I'm... And I'm training. Well, I'm, I'm going to start. I'm starting to train now for uh, my second hundred miler here coming up in September. And I've got a few races lined, smaller races lined up before then that we'll do also. So, what's the experience? What was the experience like doing the hundred miler the first time? Um, man, just, uh, it was. It's very emotional. Yeah. You know, during the race and especially after the race, but physically, um, I mean, just the most taxing thing I've ever done. I mean, you just push your body to, you know, uh, places that even, even with the training, sometimes, you know, you think you're trained up for it. Um, I was fortunate in that, um, I had a, a good friend of mine helping train me and, uh, physically I was prepared. I could have ran every step of the race, but there was, I started dealing with issues with my feet. Um, the arches in my feet just, uh, they became inflamed probably yeah. about the last 30, 40 miles or about the last 20 or 30 miles. And it was just really, it was, in, it was some of the worst pain I've ever dealt with. And it was, and it, that was over hours and hours and hours of dealing with that. So, um, and I think that just came down to just a lack of conditioning probably not ever having to push my feet that mm. distance, you know, um, I haven't had that problem since. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to try and up my volume this year. I've got a lot more volume, you know, you, you build volume, um, over the course of years, 
and I've got, right. you know, so I'll have an, I'll have a whole year's worth now more volume under my body and then in my feet. So I, I think, uh, I, I don't anticipate that being an issue next time. Sure. But other than that, if it wasn't for my feet, I could have ran every step of the way and, you know, um, yeah. but it was a neat experience, man. You meet some rad people out there. It's a, it's a really neat crowd or group of people that do these, uh, ultra marathon races. Oh, I'm sure. And even like you said, just from, uh, you know, if you want to call them the quote unquote crazies, right. But like, if you're signing up to run a hundred miles, like there's the people yeah. that are there are going to have a very similar way of looking at things. You know what I yeah, mean? Man. Like you're not, you're, yeah. that, you're not getting like just the, the fluff kind of, Oh, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I won't people to sign up for a hundred mile race. Like those are yeah, people that yeah. know, like you, you all know exactly what you're getting into when you when Definitely. you register for a race like that. So I've heard yeah. like doing those ultras like that. It's it's so interesting because I've heard you mentioned like emotional experience. I've heard of like the just crazy peaks and valleys that you go through throughout the course of a race like that, both yeah. physically and like mentally and emotionally too. Like the, mm -hmm. I, I, you know I, I've had friends that do it before as well, and they'll say things like, you know. I, you know, I can't remember exactly what mile it was, but I was hurting and everything in my body just felt like it was going to break. And then all of a sudden I, I, my body, I didn't feel anything in my body for like 12 miles, like right in the middle of the race, like couldn't explain yeah. why I just felt great all of a sudden. And then I was, yeah. I was doing really well for a couple hours and then all of a sudden it sucked again. And then like you, and then you have all of this time in your head too. So like that can be where a lot of the emotional stuff comes up. I imagine where it's like, you, you know, you're putting your body through some crazy stuff and it's also messing with your mind a bit like bringing up some some deep things i imagine it can i mean you you think about you know you think about a lot of stuff you know i yeah uh, for me i uh, my kids are all into sports and this one thing that i do is they're all athletes to play various sports and so one thing i do when i train and run i i always daydream about my kids and 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 or, you know, and I coach my boys in basketball. So that stuff mm -hmm. is always on my mind. So I'm always thinking about where they're at currently, where we need to be. You know, so I'm always thinking mm -hmm. um, about my kids sports and, and sometimes I'll daydream about, you know, where they're going to be in the future and where they're going to be at. Or, you know, uh, I do that a lot. Um, um, I have five kids, by the way, so. <laughs> <laughs> keep me busy handful um <laughs> but yeah it, it, it's a, it's a, you have a lot of time to do a lot of thinking man about a lot of stuff really and um, For sure and yes yeah, sometimes the, sometimes the, the your your physical condition kind of help directs your thinking too and you know yeah um but the the interesting thing about ultra marathons and uh especially these long races um mm -hmm. You meet a lot of neat people out there. So you'll spend hours sometimes running alongside some people you don't know. Mm. And I'll tell you what, by, by the end of those couple hours, you know them. And you yeah, guys talk sure. about everything. I must have run with four or five different groups of people during the course of that last race. And, um, <laughs> you know, some some dude who brought his family and his dad out from Connecticut, you know, to California yeah. to run this race, you know, some dude that was from Phoenix, a group of gals that were local gals uh, that trained on these trails that we were running. You know, uh, it was it was pretty cool. It's really That's neat. awesome. It it does but, seem you know, like I, a I remember very some emotions knit. I yeah. had there at the end though. Um, it was probably about mile ninety five 
as the sun was coming up, my I had some cell service because we were getting back to um, near the finish line, and my wife was texting me, "How's it going?" and and uh, so I when I called her uh, while I was running or walking at that point, right, power walking, right. power yeah. walking. We don't call it walking, uh, right. power hiking. Um, power hiking. Man, just hearing her voice, man, at that point, oh boy, I almost started breaking down. <laughs> and then when I got to the finish line, my daughter and her boyfriend were at the finish line waiting for me. And when I saw them, man, I just broke down. I just, I don't know why. I, I, I just, I maybe because it was done, it was over, and yeah, and I didn't have to put myself through that anymore. But how long? How long did that take? That whole that whole time? What was the the total duration? It took me about twenty seven hours. Oh yeah. My gosh. Yeah, <laughs> it's just awesome, dude. I love yeah, that. And though. I tacked like, on about four miles too. Uh, me and another guy got lost. We oh. ran the wrong direction to, uh, for about two miles around mile seventy. So I think seventy seventy five. We ran the wrong way for about two miles and had to turn around. Oh, so that's that's yeah. a little disheartening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you you're like, oh, figure maybe maybe we were like fifteen twenty minutes faster than we actually were had we stayed on course this whole time. <laughs> you know oh I mean? yeah, I, mean, I, I think I could have <laughs> knocked off thirty forty minutes maybe uh, at that point. Um, I was you know I wasn't sure how my body was going to react, so I was shooting for I was shooting for twenty four to twenty five hours. Okay, and. Um, but I, I had to power walk or power hike that last probably eight miles, yeah, um, because of my feet. So yeah, um, between getting lost and for that short time, and then having to, you know, having to finish the end like that, um, twenty four, twenty five hours just was not going to happen. So, sure. but you know, I was a little disappointed, but he just ran hundred miles. You know, <laughs> how yeah. disappointed can you really? Seriously, be? that's you killer. Know? And I'm what a middle the... of that guy. That's just, that's where yeah. I am. That's where I'll always be. I'm very competitive, but, mm-hmm. um, I'm also realistic. Yeah. So. What was the, uh, what was the immediate aftermath? Like the recovery, like how did the, how'd your body handle the next, you know, 24, 48 hours after? Um, I recovered pretty well. Yeah. Everything from, but my feet, my feet were just, uh, they were inflamed for the arches, I mean, I call them inflamed. I, you know, I never went to the doctor. I never um, had them checked out. But that that it felt like inflammation in the arches of my feet. Um, yeah. And you know, for about two or three days, I could, you know, I was kind of hobbling around. Um, mm. But other than that, I, I mean, I recovered nicely. I did. That's awesome. And when I was recovered, let me tell you, after you recover from something like that, your fitness mm. level just goes through the roof, man. Yeah, I bet it's amazing. Yeah, I bet that's awesome. Um, yeah, in in the in the build up to it and the the actual training and and this is we can kind of get into just some general training stuff. I'm curious about you know because you do a lot of of coaching in this now. Um, there's a lot of especially when it comes to the distance stuff. A lot of ways that people look at how to train for distance stuff, right? Um, yeah. There's there's the camps that it's just like you just got to put the miles on. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you just got to get get the miles in and accumulate how your body's going to handle. You know, th- there's all different aspects of this. Um, so where do you kind of fit into that and how you prepare and how you coach for a lot of this stuff? Well, you kind of got to look at the race, I think. Mm. And you have to look at the race, see what kind of race it's going to be. 
you know, are you looking at a mountain race? Um, how much how much gain and loss is there? What kind of trails are you running? Is it road or is it trails? Are the trails buffed out? Are they super technical? You know, altitude. You got to look at altitude. You got to look at um, uh, the time of the year. Is it going to be hot? Is it going to be cold? What kind of weather are you going to be facing? I mean, these are all things you have to take into consideration. Sure. And then you have to look at yourself, or you got to look at the athlete, and you got to kind of identify strengths and weaknesses. Okay. Um, if if they're new to ultra running, then then uh, volume is going to be pretty important. Just being able to run that distance. Okay. So volume and duration. Um, but typically, what we'll do is we'll identify a race that they want to do. Okay. And we'll break that race down as far as like uh, the areas we just discussed. So, sure. you know, what kind of a race is it? Okay, what kind of altitudes it going to be at? How much climbing? How much uh, descent is it going to be? Um, and uh, we'll also identify their weaknesses and their strengths. We'll probably start focusing on volume early on, especially if we have time. If we got a good block of time that we can focus yeah. on, we'll we'll block it out. And early on, we'll focus on volume and we'll build that up. And we do we spend a lot of time doing that because that's the that's about the slowest adaptation you're going to you're going to be working towards. Uh, It takes time to build volume. It's not something you build overnight. You can actually get fast um, fairly quickly. Um, You can actually build powerful, strong legs that can climb very quickly. Those are adaptations that just happen. They don't happen overnight. I mean, it takes time. And the long, the more time you spend doing them, the stronger you're going to get in those areas. But they they do happen quicker than build, than building volume, but sure. you also lose them quicker. Okay, so that volume you put in your legs, um, it lasts longer. So those slow twitch muscle fibers and stuff that you're building, they last longer. So we build that base, and then we start focusing on some weaknesses. So let's say you're not a fast runner, but this might be a fast race where there maybe the trails are smooth. Or maybe you're not going to be doing a lot of climbing uh, or a lot of power hiking, you know. Um, so maybe we'll work on work on that aspect if that's a weakness. Um, if uh, if climbing is an issue, maybe we'll do that. Or that's maybe that's not something you've spent a lot of time doing, so it's a weakness of yours. We'll strengthen those legs. We'll do that with a lot of strength training and yeah. uh, and a lot of just getting out, power hiking and running. Yeah. Um, and as the race gets, as we near the race itself, we're really going to start focusing on now your strengths. Where are your strengths? We're going to focus on those. And we're also going to start focusing on, on the specificities. So like, okay, this race has a lot of, lot of, uh, lot of gain and loss. Okay, sure. A lot of vertical gain, a lot of vertical loss. So we're going to yep. do a lot of climbing. If it's, is it steep? Is it technical? So what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and mimic the training grounds as closely as we can. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, totally. So, for instance, if you lived right near where the race is, I mean, you couldn't think of a better place to train than on that course, right? On the course, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much an easy way to explain it. Um, no, If totally. you don't live in an area like that, like say you live in Ohio – you know, and you're going to do a big mountain race, you have to get creative sometimes, you know, because yeah. uh, you don't have those technical trails. You may not be able to find those mountains. I mean, it's possible. There's some great athletes that come out of those, you know, the Midwest area. It's possible to do. 
Like, yeah, that's... I'll give you an example. I live on the coast in Northern California, so I live at sea mm-hmm. level. Okay, two weeks ago, I did my first mountain run with a buddy of mine. Um, in months and months, and my legs—I mean, I was—I'm in phenomenal shape, but man, my lungs were about to explode because I hadn't been up at five, six thousand feet in quite a while. You sure. know, so yeah. for me, when I'm training for these races, um, sometimes I got to make the drive up to these mountains so that I can I can work at altitude, which is actually something yeah. I'm going to be doing tomorrow, by the way. Um, so, so you, yeah, you, no. those are those are adaptations that come and go very quickly. So, so we focus on those right there at the end, right before the race. As you're not right before, but as you're nearing the race, probably that final block. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I've had, uh, you know, a handful of guys that are a lot of the backcountry hunters as well. And they'll, uh, and you know, uh, you'll hear a lot of the same stuff where, you know, you can train and and do all these simulated things as, as much as you want to build your strength, build your endurance. But, you know, they'll say like, there just isn't a substitute for putting a pack on and hiking, like, and being, uh, you know, like, you know, you can do all the things to train and still, you know, be better when you're up there than you otherwise would have been. But like to really get dialed in, he's like, they're like several of them, Ryan Lampers, one of them, he's just like, you just got to get up on the mountain and, and hike around and get used to doing that under the load, you know, absolutely simulating that same environment and getting in that, not even simulating it, but actually getting in that environment and doing that exact thing is the best way to actually prepare for doing that mm-hmm. thing. I mean, it's like basketball, like you're coaching, like you wouldn't say the best way to practice basketball is to go do something where you're not having a basketball in your hand. You know, exactly. what, I, you know what I mean? Exactly like right. You got to go do the thing to get good at it. <laughs> I had that same conversation with my son yesterday. He's going to be a freshman in high really? school next year. So he's starting to lift weights for the first time to prepare yeah. himself for high school. But he's, he's now finding that with the weight training and tacking that on with his basketball training, it's just, you know, it's time consuming. And, and he's a little totally. frustrated because he's not shooting the ball as much, you know. And, and I said, well, I said, listen, you still have to play basketball. You still have to work on your game. Yeah. You know, lifting weights is going to make you a better basketball player, but you still have to right. play basketball. Right. So, yeah, same thing. Yeah. It's the, you know, and I've, and I've worked with a handful of guys and kids like all through high school age first of all that age that he is right now is like the best age like mm-hmm. just start just start lifting and it doesn't yeah. matter i mean just shovel food in your face and you can train three <laughs> times a day if you wanted it doesn't like you're gonna be totally fine and he's like just about pat- it, right he's having oh so it's much great fun. he's like, got a gym like membership me- yeah oh it's great like me and you can look back on it and be like oh my gosh i would kill to like just be able to wreck myself training in the gym three times yeah. a day and just shovel food in my face and it, all of it turns into a positive thing <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, like there's no that's the that's the best time ever but the you know it's this whole you see it with you see it with those high school age and younger kids especially now where there's all of these like specialization things going on with mm-hmm. youth sports and, and you know, it's like you <laughs> oh, got man, kids that are yeah, you know, right in the middle of it, man. Like with AAU and then like with baseball kids that were like, you're, you're going to pitch 10 months out of the year. You know what I mean? Like stuff yeah. like that where yeah. you're missing out on the things that make you like weight training and all that stuff makes you a better athlete. You okay. still have to do the things that are going to make you skill wise a better player yeah. whatever your sport is but like yeah. all the other things are going to make you a better athlete which just bumps up your ceiling on what's going to mm-hmm. make you your potential on being a better 
actual yeah. player at whatever sport that is. And so I, you know, I, I imagine you're right in the thick of that right now oh, with man. just how everything is currently, especially in basketball. Like you said, AAU, the whole AAU, AAU kind of universe is, is wild. <laughs> I can't even yeah. imagine what it's like now when I did it, you know, almost 20 years ago now, it was like, it wasn't really, you know, it was just like your friends and you just go grab a team and go play in a tournament. Like it wasn't like this massive enterprise, like kind of how it is oh. now, it seems. It's, I know, I know we're, we're not doing this interview to talk about basketball, but I'll just throw this out there. AAU is no, the worst it. thing to happen to basketball. I mean, it's just, it's oh, terrible. Man. It's absolutely terrible. There's, there's no governing body. There's nobody that oversees yeah. it. The kids are learning. The lessons the kids are learning are just terrible. It's, it's a good in theory. Right. It gets taken advantage of. Right. So, and I, and I have coached AAU for many years now. Yeah. Um, and, um, I try to do it right. You know, yeah. um, I, I, I fall back on how I coached in high school years ago and, and that's kind of how we do things, which is not sure. always popular with AAU kids. They don't want that. I- yeah. Well, because it seems yeah. like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, it really, because I've been, like I said, so removed from actually being in the middle of it, but it seems like it really is the, you have the studs that are like, they're just going to build a team around them to highlight them, and they're going to yeah. do the thing and travel around everywhere, and it's like, here, you're actually going to go watch this person, but we need to throw six other guys on the court, or on the team, so he has somebody to play with, kind of a thing, because you can't do like yeah. a one-on-one tournament, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so exactly. It, it, you know, and, just, and a lot of the coaching is, they're not coaches, they're just dads. Yeah. Who throw teams together. Sure. And if you live in an area where you have multiple teams... And if you got a player that doesn't like the way you coach and your system, guess what? He hops ship or he jumps yeah. ship and he next thing you know, next weekend he's on the other team. So so there's you lose that sense of loyalty. Isn't that there's no interesting. governing body? It's not like school ball where you gotta maintain a certain right. GPA, you've got to stay disciplined and you've got to be well behaved and you can disregard all that. It doesn't matter and still play. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? So, like you're seeing that in different even even in sports other than basketball, like at the collegiate level, like that's yeah. moving. Up. And now in like even in the pros, I mean, the whole era of like kind of the player empowerment area and professional sports. Right. But I mean, mm-hmm. like even in college, the, the transfer portal wasn't a thing 10 years ago. No. You know what I mean? Like no. some like a kid's ticked. He doesn't play. Just like, all right, I'm just going to peace out then. Like that wasn't a yeah. thing even yeah. even 10, 10 years ago. And now it's like guys are leaving left and right after one year of being a backup to go somewhere where they know they're going to start. And it's just like, it, it's crazy how that all is. Just, it's almost like, seems like it's trickled up instead of like trickling down to affect the it younger has. kids later. It kind of started with the younger kids. It seemed like it's super interesting. Oh yeah, it does. Well, you, there's, there's, with the exception of maybe some of the European players, which they have their own version of AAU. Right. Um, right. But you have every professional player and every college player in the country at this moment has all have all been through the AAU rings now. Right. You know, you get what I'm saying. I mean, that's yeah. how long it's been around. Yeah. And so, um, and so you're really seeing the after effects of it, like with that the transfer portal prime example. But the but the NCAA yeah. has to do stuff like this. They have to stay on top of this because next thing you know, they'll be non-existent. Yeah, <laughs> kids are going to go from you know they're going to they'll have a, a semi-pro league and that's where they'll play. You're, we're already starting to see it with the the NBA has with their the, 
G League or D the League, G League and, call, yeah, you know. Well, now yeah. especially even with the with the NIL stuff. Oh, dude, I, I'm all about these little tangents. I love it. I was just gonna say even yeah. too with the with like the NIL deal that came in the last year. Like that's even what starting that? to play the name, image, and likeness deal that now. Um, oh yeah, yeah. That now you know kids in college can be compensated if their jerseys are sold with their number on it or yeah. like they want to be used in commercials for the local car dealership where they're yeah. where their college is, you know, which like in theory that makes sense because it's not like the school paying them to play, but it's like before, you know, kids would have to go do all these promo things for the school and just waste time and not see a dime of that, which I, you know, you can go either way on that, but it's like yeah. now yeah. there are guys that are be like, Oh, well, I can go here where they've already told me they're going to put me in commercials and I'm going to make mm-hmm. a lot of money doing that as an 18 year old. And so, I, like, you know, it's just changing yeah. the whole landscape of everything. It's crazy. But yeah, man. Dude, I love, I love the tangents like this. I'm, do- I'm all for <laughs> yeah, seeing right. where they go. Um, but to, to bring it back into the, the actual training side of things, um, yeah. because as we were talking about, uh, you know, you're in that, what we'd normally call like a taper phase coming into the closer times of the race, what you're, you're focusing on strengths and you're talking about doing things like strength training. Um, what is a lot of the primary ways that you, with yourself and with the people that you coach, like what kind of methodologies are you using with, uh, actual lifting weights and strength training? Like, do you have a, a certain things that you like to utilize for that for ultras? After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That is mintmobile.com/waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/waypoint. Yes, not a lot of them. Um, my so my client base is not huge because, as we discussed earlier, I'm 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 uh, fully employed outside of coaching, so yeah, right. uh, my my client base is small. Um, yep. and I, I have to keep it that way. I, you know, yeah. I want to be able to do quality work for these people. Um, so I, I, I have about half of them are just come to me for general fitness. Sure. And then about half of them come to me for running. So in terms of running, the strength training, I encourage. Um, but they don't always want to do it yeah, or they don't want to – you know, a lot of the women, and, and I'm not general. I'm, I don't want to generalize, but 
a lot of times women um, that come to me, they're, they're runners. They don't want to get under a, a bar at the sure. gym and do squats and, you know, yep. do heavy weights. I encourage it. And I, I shouldn't have said women, but um, that's just what I see. And I, we're seeing more and more women get in the gym and do these things, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. But it's 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 traditionally it's been more of a, a, a situation for men to do. You know, totally. men are more comfortable going there. But although we're, we're like, again, we're seeing more and more women and that's great. But ideally, I would start the early phases, kind of that volume building area or block. Yeah. We would get under the bar. We do heavy weights. We keep it simple. Everything we do is simple. Um, sure. You know, variations of squats, deadlifts. Glute yeah. work, stuff like that. Real simple. Um, I also keep it to a minimum, especially for runners, because we spend a lot of time running. Yeah. You know, when you train for stuff like this, I mean, you, there's not a lot of time left, especially for a family, you know, a family dad or a family mom to totally. to, to spend, the, you know, to to go to the gym after you just spent an hour and a half running every day. So Right. Um, so... I try to keep my workout simple, right to the point, maybe 30 minutes tops. If I can get them down to 20 minutes sometimes, sometimes I have to do that for people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll do heavy weights ideally early on as we uh, approach kind of, we'll call it that middle block. We'll start doing more. We'll start breaking it down, doing some lighter weight stuff, more single leg stuff, single leg deadlifts, stuff like that. You know, mm -hmm. same with the squat work. Um <clears throat> And as we get nearer the race, we're going to really lighten the load and we're really going to start working on like specific stuff like uh, mobility stuff. So sure. we're really strengthening like those hips and those joint, those knees, those joint areas, those stabilizer muscles, because um, they really play a huge role in what we do. Um, yeah. And that's kind of how ideally we would break it down. It doesn't always work out that way with with the our athletes, but but we try. You know, a lot of them like to work out from home, which means they can't get under a bar. Yeah. You know, they may have a set of dumbbells or some kettlebells, stuff like that at home. Or sometimes we have to get creative and it's just mostly it's a lot of functional strength training. Yeah, you know? for sure. Uh, yeah. So no, we'll totally. use resistance bands. We'll do very, very slow controlled movements so that we can increase that resistance, you know, because that's really mm -hmm. the only way you can do it at home. And you can get a damn good workout doing that. Oh, for sure. But, you know, so... Um, that's that's kind of how we do it. No, yeah, I like that a lot because, like you said, especially in in a in an environment and in a especially if you're preparing for like a race, right? Like if you're training for a race, there's things running wise that have to be the priority. And yeah. and like you said, we just discussed that with basketball, right? Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. you just have to understand that's like you've got to get this. Like this is priority one. Like. Yeah. get the miles down if that's part of whatever block you're in, like you said. So if you're already, especially like you said, if they're a family person or whatever, and they're committing several hours a week to just running, it's like, well, I can't go back now and ask you, like, hey, I also need you to spend an hour a day training on top yeah. of that. You know, like, yeah. it's, you know, especially if it's just general population stuff, like, that's just not going to happen for 99% of people, you know, yeah. and, uh, and... And most runners don't want to lift weights. That yeah, whole, and... Yeah. It, they they want to run. That's all they want to do. It's interesting, too, because I think there's been, you know, with the... And, and I've talked about this, you know, I can't even remember how many times over the last 10 
15 years, but like that was one of the, the best things to ever come out of CrossFit was mm -hmm. the amount of women that they got actually lifting, like the amount of women that are now lifting yes, heavy weights absolutely. and doing things that otherwise like never would have. Like, I mean, that is solely, I mean, if anything, that might be their, their biggest thing that they ever did. And, yeah. uh, no, I agree with and, you. and it's crazy because, um, in the running community. And like I said, we, I came from track too. So I'm, you know, a lot of these, I, I remember a lot of this and I still mm -hmm. see it with the people that I know. It's like that kind of skips over the running community a lot. Like even, even when like they see lifting weights, like the, the whole concept of lifting weights, you're making huge and bulky. Like the, when women say that it's, it's funny to me because men say the same thing too. And there's a, like, there's the Arnold line and I can't remember who said it to him? And I can't remember if it was on video or not. It probably was on video mm -hmm. back when he was in Muscle Beach. And uh, he's doing his thing. He's like posing one day. And uh, somebody comes up to him kind of like in the, oh, you're disgusting kind of a look, right? Because back then he was just the novelty. And they yeah. come up to him and they, and they say like, oh, we never want to look like you. Like that was their line. And his line response is my favorite thing he ever said. And he's like, well, don't worry. You never will. Like, <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Like you could lift all the weights in the world, do everything perfectly. You're never going to look like Arnold did. And like yeah. it, it, and, and it's funny, like my, uh, you know, cause I used to train a ton of women. I don't anymore, but I used to all the time when I was like in the actual corporate gym space and they would say like all the, the you know, the same thing where it's like, well, I don't want to get really big and muscly. And I'm like, let me tell you something. I have guys that I train that think about nothing else than doing whatever they can to gain muscle. And mm -hmm. it takes years and it's a yeah. miserable experience for everybody because of the amount of work it requires. And like you coming in here and lifting some heavy weights a few times a week is not going to do that. I promise. Like yeah. it's like, it's a whole devoted thing and, and trying to gain weight on purpose and gain muscle and, on purpose yeah, is one of the most miserable things ever. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's horrible. Yeah. Like you're eating all the time and you're training constantly. You like, you have, you have to sleep two extra hours a night. Like the, the concept of it's just going to happen. I'm like, if it does, please tell me how you're doing it because I would love to yeah. know if you can just pick up a weight and all of a sudden you're, you're beefy. And I'm like, that's, you know, yeah. but that's the misconception. And it seems that like with the runners, there's a little bit of, maybe now it's catching on, but it's like, I even still see it where they're like, no, strength training is like going to make you a better runner. It's the same thing we were talking about, like with the kids athletes, like it's going to make you better. You still got to run, but it's going to make you better at it. Mm -hmm. Yep. 100% man. I couldn't agree more. That's a good point about the CrossFit and what it's done for uh, women and weightlifting. It's been so positive, man. Yeah. In fact, it's really in my small community here. Um, we're not a big area. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a there's a lot of women, especially down at the gym that my son goes to. Her into the fitness competitions, you know, the stage work and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And man, it's impressive what they do. The devotion and the work they put into that stuff, man, it's really impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's definitely coming around. Traditionally, no, it was not, but it's definitely coming around. It's cool to see. I like that. It's uh, and, and one of the reasons. I guess one of the reasons that I'm so interested in like this ultra endurance stuff is because in the last handful of years I got into, uh, I'm, I'm what you would call an adult onset hunter. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I've told the story several times on the show, but like I, I 
grew up, I mean, I'm from Idaho, so like everybody I know my whole life has hunted forever, but I was doing yeah. sports and everything. And so I just never did. It wasn't because I didn't want to. I just like, I, I was always doing other things. Yeah, and so it wasn't until I was out of college and married that I was like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna start doing it now. And then, like I was telling you before, like there's no substitute for getting up there and just being able to hike back several miles to go find animals and stuff. And so yeah, this concept of being like, I just want to be able to go farther than the guys who I can still see their truck on the road because they're not gonna go that far in. You know, yeah. I know if I can go one more ridge over or two more ridges over, like I'm gonna have a better chance, but. I gotta. I can't just assume I'm gonna be okay to go that far. Like I gotta. Yeah. I gotta do the work and build that up. And so that, like that, it falls right into like a lot of this endurance stuff because that's like right where my head is right now with so much of this. Yeah, man. And, and that that's that's why Cameron Haynes started running. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know? So you can be a better elk hunter. Exactly. You know, I I train uh, one of my one of my athletes. One of my most devoted athletes is. Uh, Gary, he uh, lives up in Alaska. He's a big game hunter. And he came to me because for that reason, he wanted to kind of dabble in ultras, ultra marathon running. Yeah. But he also came to me so he could, so for that very reason, so he could, he could hunt harder and higher and further. And so now he's gotten to be, I wouldn't say obsessed yet, but he's starting to get hooked on the ultra marathon running and in his off season. But it just benefits his hunting. And then we right. kind of redirect our focus on his hunting come hunting season. Yeah. And, uh, and so and he's just, man, he's just doing phenomenal work up there in Alaska, man. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, and it's, especially, like I said, being around, being where I am, there's, there's easy access to, you know, I can, go, I can drive 30 minutes in any direction and be at a trailhead to go start hiking or running somewhere, you know? So, I mean, yeah. it's pretty tough to not want to do that when it's that available to you. Plus, like you said, it's just spending more time getting better at the thing. And so mm -hmm. it's, it, that's, what's been, like I said, it's been really cool to, to kind of dive into a lot more of the long, long endurance stuff and this ultra stuff, mm -hmm. because I'm just like, it's, it's so much the same concept, you know, if it's practiced differently. Right. But it's the yeah. same idea. Like, yeah, you got to learn how to mentally suffer a bit and mm -hmm. be and enjoy that suffering part of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and then just have the load. One of the things that was really interesting, I had a, a friend who, um, he used to work pretty high up in Spartan and, uh, okay. one of his, one of his like biggest pieces of advice for people when they'd start, like they'd sign up for their first Spartan race and they would do like the, you know, the four miler or whatever it was. Yeah. But, but one of his first pieces of advice to train for it is kind of in line with what you said earlier. And in, in terms of just accumulating that volume and that load, he said, you need to be walking 20,000 steps a day at a minimum because people will go yeah. up on a trail and they just, they, they have not spent that much time on their feet ever because like they're, they're sitting and they're working in offices and yeah. they're driving and all this stuff. And they just do, like, even if it's not running, like they just aren't on their feet for that long. And so yeah. they're, they don't know what that, like how that affects the rest of their body. So he's like, you, more than anything, like just be on your feet more and, and mm -hmm. watch how much that helps with that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, since I've been doing this, I, I, I deer hunted a little, I dabbled deer hunt when I was younger. Yeah. And I've backpacked my entire life. And so I know there's more to hunting than than being able to to hike or run or climb mountains. There's a lot more that right. goes into it. But I cannot think of a better way 
to train for backcountry hunting than ultra running. I mean, you yeah. could obviously you'd want to throw some 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 pretty hardcore strength work in there, but sure, man, it's about one of the the, the best way best forms of training I think for backcountry hunting. I mean, you can really really get back in there deep and far and climb higher if you got that yeah. kind of fitness underneath your belt with some solid strength work man you're going to be unstoppable you, you, you know i mean unless you're a road yeah. runner that's cool too <laughs> right right yeah. or the guy or you know i've got a bunch of friends in the south that whitetail and tree stands you know i mean like that's just another form of it too it's totally different yeah. but it's like I, yeah. but I, i've told them several times i'm like uh, that's, that seems like it'd be easier, but I'm like, I can't sit down for 10 hours in a row and not, you know, not move. I'm like, no. that takes a whole different level of something involved anyways, but, you uh, can train for that. It works in at a desk, man. <laughs> I, I just get too bored. Like I'd lose focus. I'd probably watch deer walk by me all day long just cause I'm like, I can't sit yeah. still this long. You know what I mean? But think about the mental aspect too, man. When you're eight oh, yeah. miles back in the deep country, uh, you know, back in the cuts, and uh, you got an animal on the ground. That's when the work starts. Oh yeah, you know, uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a mental game. You got to pack that meat out, and you may may have to make two or three trips, man. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That's a mental game, and that's where that that's where that uh, that mental toughness and that having been there and and just kind of suffered and dealt with some real shit. Mm -hmm. That's where that's really going to come into play. So you you mentioned. Uh you've just dabbled in some other, other game hunting stuff. Do you, and you do a ton of duck hunting, but you know, have you gotten into recently? Have you, have you wanted to get into any more big game kind of hunting? I, I haven't hunted big game in years, but <clears throat> I, uh, so <laughs> I, um, uh, I, I've been shooting one of Corey's bows for about a year now off and on. Ah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I go through phases where, you know, I get busy and I can't, I can't, I'm not as consistent with it. Sure. Um, and then I pick it back up for a few months and I get real consistent. Um, when I'm comfortable at 25 yards with it or, or not, not comfortable when I'm really confident at 25 yeah, yards in. with it, I'm going to start, I'm going to start looking to, uh, maybe do a little hunt with it. Nice. Um, That's awesome. We got, you know, we're in California. We got pigs all over the place, I, and I may have to pay for one, and that's fine. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I think I'll do it just to do it. Um, I may even try to. We got a lot of geese here in the area. I may even try to shoot some shoot some geese or a turkey with it. Um, nice. But ultimately, I'd like to head up to Oregon where I can get an over the counter tag for a cow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, see if I can put an elk on the ground with it. That's kind of an ultimate goal with it. It's. I don't know that I'm. I'm not confident. I'm not that confident with it yet outside of about yeah. maybe 15, 18 yards. Uh, so sure. I want to stretch that out before I really start putting the effort into hunting. But yeah, that's kind of a goal of mine. That's awesome. How's, how's that bow shoot? I just had him on a couple weeks ago and dude, yeah. that's like, that's like a bucket list thing to go down and make one at his, one of his workshops. I want one so oh, bad. I want to go down there cool. so bad. Yeah. Uh, man, it's sweet. It's so fun. And, you know, I, you know, to go along with, my, you know, the kind of my, my philosophy now, the whole primal run thing and kind of how yeah. I like to live, you know, I feel like I'm really trying to simplify my whole life and everything I do. So this bow just kind of fits in line with it, man. Um, I, years ago, I, I bought a Hoyt 
a nice compound. I can't remember the, the model or anything. And, mm-hmm. and I started shooting that. My intention was to hunt with it, but man, I just couldn't get behind it, man. I just couldn't do it. It was just, it was so many gadgets on it and more power to the guys that do it. I think it's great. Um, but it just wasn't my thing. I didn't enjoy yeah. it. This is different. Yeah. This is different. Um, I love homemade, handmade stuff like this. And, um, and, uh, and I, I'm not trying to get all spiritual or anything. I won't do that, but it's just, it's really cool, man. To yeah. And I didn't make it. Um, but I know the guy who did and right. I got, and he was giving me updates all along the way, you know, in different phases of the build and sending me pictures. So I, I felt like I was kind of there in a sense, you know, and, a and, part of the uh, process. Part of the process, a little bit. But yeah, you're right. Going to a shop and actually spending time with him and building the bow would be unreal. Yeah. Maybe one of these it days. Looks... So, so man, uh, it's, it's, I have a ton of fun shooting this thing, man. I love it. A ton of fun. Um, I mean, except, but all my arrows I, I get are self knocked. So, you hmm. know, when you, uh, when you Robin Hood an arrow and, and you break a knock on a self knocked arrow, you're like, oh, you know. <laughs> right. But, I like to self knock right. because that's just the way I do it. And, um, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it that way. I'm just going to have to shoot less arrows at, at one time, I guess, or, or right. Space them out. right. Uh, so I want to actually get into cause you had brought it up like your whole ideal of primal, right. Uh, you know, it's, it sounds like even from what you've just briefly mentioned, it's it's pretty similar to what I kind of went through when I was developing a lot of the stuff with Nomad, right? Like, I mean, it's it's all it seems like it's in the very similar vein kind of thing. So, yeah. like, what was your process into all this to <clears throat> like to embody that a little bit, or you know, where did that all come from? Um. So about the time I started running, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I started as I'm researching running and learning how to teach, trying to teach myself in the beginning. Um, I kind of delved into like the background history of running and, you know, it's, it's about the most primitive form of activity a human can do. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's about the simplest thing we can do. Um, so it kind of started with that. And as I got deeper into it, I was still hunting heavy. And so have you ever hunted duck or been into duck hunting at all? Not much, no. Okay. It requires a god-awful amount of gear and stuff. So as I was as I was getting into the running, I was like, man, this is fun because all I need is just a pair of shoes and I just go. You know, it was that simple in the beginning. Yep. Of course, you know, we can make anything complicated, which I – I'm constantly fighting, but, <laughs> right. but it was at that time that I was, I, I was looking at all the stuff in my shed, in my garage, all the hunting gear I had. And I, I was like, God, I worship this stuff. The amount of time I put into maintaining my, all this gear and all this stuff and my skull boat, which was my pride and joy. I mean, I worship these things. I mean, you know, the Bible says it and other Philosophers have said it. You know, the stuff you own eventually owns you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and mm-hmm. I, I started to realize this stuff owns me. I mean, one hundred percent just owning me. So I gave it up, man. I mean, I kept my shotguns, but 
I gave it up. And uh, as I got deeper into running, I gave it all up. And I, I'm going to have to shut this door here. I think my daughter's home from school. And I, um, I sold it all. And selling that skull boat was a hard one, but I, I sold it all. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so that was kind of the beginning of that. Okay. And so I'm trying to I'm trying to simplify my life. I know that's not real primal, but I'm trying to simplify my life, which is kind of sure. a primal philosophy, yeah. you know. Um, and then I uh, I started to change the way I eat. Okay, I kind of dabbled with like no sugar, no grains, which I didn't actually. I wouldn't say I dabbled. I went I went all I went full bore. Yeah. And now I'm very carnivore, uh, so I eat very primitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I dabbled with uh, uh, footwear, and my favorite trail shoes now are my Luna sandals that I run in. Yeah, I've seen. Um, so it, it boils down to for me. Uh, that's you know that's how that stuff used to just own me, and I worshipped mm. it. And I got to the point I was like, why? Would, I don't want to. I don't want to have stuff. I want to yeah. do stuff. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's, that's pretty much that's pretty much how it came to be, man. So I really just try to simplify everything I do. That's um, really cool. That's really cool. I was, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you the story where uh, it was it was something very similar, something really similar for me because you know we had just had our first our first son, and mm-hmm. uh, and moved into this new house and it was a bit of a, a downsize from where we yeah. were prior. And we did that kind of on purpose. Like it was just a little cottage style, yeah. like two bedroom, one bathroom home. We're still actually there right now. Uh, and when we got there it was like, well, first we have a bunch of stuff we got to get rid of that just won't fit here. A right. And so that like started yeah. the process. And yeah. then, you know, I've, I've been all into, kettlebells for years and so yeah. like i had this i had this collection of kettlebells and a couple other like some sandbags and stuff that travels real well you know it's it's easy mm-hmm. to move around and that kind of stuff and so like this whole concept of like m- the minimum effective dose essentially to everything right like yeah. it's like what's the least amount that i could get away with and still get what i need from it just yeah. because like the the same thing it kind of sounds like what you were dealing with was just like just stuff and clutter and it's just bogging down too much. It does. And so like, you know, we're, we're starting to have conversations about like, well, maybe we need to, um, look at getting, uh, moving into a new house in the next couple of years. You've got another little one on the way. And so it's like, eventually we're going to like outgrow this place. And I'm just like, I know, but if we do like, it's just going to fill up, you know, like if you've got the space stuff, we'll fill it. doesn't matter if you're trying to or not, but it's that same kind of thing where it's like, I was in this place where like, look, I, I'm going to try and just do get as fit as I can with like two kettlebells and a sandbag. And like, I don't want to yeah. use anything else. Cause I don't want to have to think about it. Like I I'll have a light one to press. I'll have a heavy one to squat and swing and I'll have a sandbag that I can carry and do all kinds of stuff with. And like, let's just see how yeah, that man. goes. And it, and it worked great. And so like, yeah. it really kind of, kind of overhauled my whole thought process on programming and coaching Cause I'm like, look, you really don't need most of this stuff. Like it's nice to have if you have it, 
Like mm-hmm. we can work with what you have, but like you could even DIY a couple of these things. Like I made a, I took an old tire I got from a Les Schwab that they gave me for free and got like a $6 chain and a belt and I can throw my sandbag on top of that. And now I can drag a sled. Like I, it's, I got, I do the same thing. You know what I mean? It's so easy. Yeah. Like, so there's some of this stuff where it's like these, these barriers of when people think they need to have all of these things in order to get a certain result or to be a certain level of mm-hmm. fit or be a certain strength level, like it really kind of isn't the case at all. Like if you've got even a couple of things, you'll, you'll be fitter than you'll ever really need to be with it. You know, Dude, we are on the same page, man. If you saw my gym <laughs> yeah. or my garage, okay. Yes. It's the same thing. I've got a, the biggest thing I own is a tractor tire. Nice. I've got a tractor tire in the garage and a pull-up bar. There you, you know? go. I got a yep. sandbag and a handful of kettlebells like you talked about. I don't have mm-hmm. much else, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. It really did kind of change a, I did a get lot a of what vest. I think about I it. I like my weight vest. See, that's the one that I, I, that's the next thing that I want. Like that's the, one of the only pieces that I'm like, I still have that, you know, I really do need a weight vest. Like that's one yeah. of the only things I actually have that thought with. <laughs> Cause I yeah. see like people are like every time a new something comes out, they're adding it to the home gym. And I'm just like, ah, it's just so much stuff. But I'm like, I do see a weight vest and I'm like, I should go get a weight vest. That seems like I would I would dig that. But you're right. So this style of just functional strength training, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it works so well. Yeah, I mean, so well, and it's so simple. And you can get in and out. And so I, I think I think that was a positive thing that came out of COVID. Yeah, this whole COVID situation, home gyms and strength training. This function, this idea of functional strength training, because. You know, unless you're uber wealthy, you can't outfit your garage with, you know, commercial grade equipment. So right. um, people are putting together these home gyms and learning to work out the way we're discussing, you yeah, know, exactly. And they're finding out it's 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 functional and it's they can get in and out. And I love it, man. And so yeah. a lot of my athletes work out that way. For that reason, in fact, I've had a few people come to me, and you know, younger guys, and they want to get into weightlifting or bodybuilding. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm not the guy for you. Okay, we could do it, but, and I'll, you know, and I'll, I'll direct them to another trainer that I know, or, or, or whatever. You know, um, I, I won't leave them hanging, but I'll send them, I'll send them elsewhere. Sure. Yeah. To somebody who's more qualified to to train them and what their goals are. You know, but yeah, it's a. Uh, what we do, man, in functional strength training, you know, all these compound movements, man, incredible, especially when you're an athlete, mm-hmm. when you're an athlete, <laughs> it's amazing work. It really is. Yeah. And, and like you said, especially with the, the types of activities outside of training that we're talking about, like hunting or, yeah. uh, or just going for a race or I mean, even just general fitness stuff. I mean, like it's, it's an interesting concept to think about but really because of the way that we are physically designed right like mm-hmm. humans are designed to be endurance machines absolutely like, the, well, I, I mean that's that. why that's why that's why we have a gait the way that we do when we mm-hmm. when we run like our, our body from tip to tail is literally designed to be able to that's why our lungs go for long periods are. of time exactly I yeah. mean like in proportion to everything else I mean that's really like the at the very nature or you know as you could say at the very primal aspect of this is uh 
we are designed to be endurance. And so, you know, there's all, obviously we can adapt because that's the other thing that humans are incredible at is adaptation. Right. But and to get and, and the reason we are that way is to get back to what you're talking about. We've evolved to hunt. We've evolved to chase animals so that we can survive. Yep, exactly. So it's, it's been a, uh, it's been a really interesting like thought process of like training evolution parts of it for me mm-hmm. to get to that point because I'm like, yeah. maybe I do like, cause I, I thought when I was done running for track that I'm like, I'm never running another mile again in my life. I'm, I'm so yeah. over it. But yeah. now it's like, you know what? Maybe there's more to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh man. It, it really is, man. Um, yeah. So, um, we were, we, we have evolved to chase animals. And as the animals evolved, that's where we, you know, the animals, they started to move higher up into the mountains. And so we had to evolve. I mean, you look at our anatomy, if you really break it down, I mean, <laughs> we were made to be on our feet and we were made to be moving, walking and running and climbing. That's what we're made to do, you know, in all types of uh, environments. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it, it's pretty incredible, really. It really is. Um, have you ever... Well- uh, have you ever uh, looked up or done any research on uh, subsistence hunting? I think I said, is that what it's called? Where where natives would chase animals down on foot yes. to exhaustion? Yes, yeah. and literally wear them down. Yeah, and that, that's all they did. Just outlast them. Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely amazing uh, it's concept. Wild. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool to think about. You know, and getting back to natives um, and the whole primal thing, I got this, man, I got this obsession with Native American culture and history. And so every time I, I get into a good book or a good read or research uh, that topic, I just, man, I just want, I just want to be even more primal. I mean, right. if I could just, if I could just live in a loincloth and a teepee in the, in the Utah <laughs> desert, like uh, Matt Graham, if I could do that. Well, you know, my wife and kids would leave me, but uh, if I could talk all them into coming with me and doing it, man, I'd be, I'd be happier now. <laughs> I love it, dude. Um, yeah. Well, we are uh, we're coming right up here on an hour, and I know that uh, that we you got stuff you got to do today. So why don't you give me some uh, links and like uh, talk about the fundraiser a little bit that you got coming up? Like, where can where can everybody like go and support and look at what you're doing with everything? Yes. Okay. I appreciate this. So, um, I noticed last year when I ran my hundred mile race, my social media traffic kind of increased. Okay. Cause people were kind of like, what's he doing? You know? Mm-hmm. And so they were following along with the training and the race and stuff like that. So I wanted to take advantage of that this year as I trained for it and run this upcoming race in September. So, um, in September I'm going to run the Pine to Palm 100, uh, mile race it's in uh, from williams oregon to ashland oregon over the siskiyou mountains and uh so i'm using that as kind of a uh, a way to bring attention to a uh a local ranch that we have in my town called wild souls ranch and what they do is they do equine therapy for at-risk youth troubled youth foster youth adopted youth okay it ranges from like you know, young five-year-olds up through, you know, the late teens. And uh, it's a phenomenal place. And a lot of people don't know about equine therapy. Um, So this isn't a place where ranchers' kids come and show up and play cowboy. 
Um, this is a place for kids who would nor- never otherwise get to be on a ranch or be around animals like this. And they get to, it's not so much about learning how to ride an animal as it is to learning how to tend the animal and care for the animal, learn about the animal. And they kind of actually form relationships with these, with these animals. Um, and anybody who's been around horses knows that, uh, horses are highly intelligent and they're very emotional, sensitive animals. Um, and they also have, you know, dogs and chickens and pigs and goats and they got all kinds of stuff at this ranch. But so, uh, services like this aren't covered by, um, health or medical insurance often. So you have to pay for services like this and they can be pricey sometimes. And a lot of these kids uh, don't have the funds for it. So we're trying to raise scholarship money, um, for these kids so that we, these kids can continue to use these services, uh, free of charge. So That's awesome. the, uh, the name of the project is called hundred miles for wild souls. And we have a, uh, we're on Facebook. You can look at you look me up on Facebook under Aaron Stacy or Primal Run Coaching, and you could find our fundraiser there. Um, on my Instagram page under Primal Run Coaching, if you if you go to the link in my bio, mm-hmm. it'll take you uh, it'll take you to a a link where you can you can go to the fundraiser and you'll see it there and you'll be able to make a donation there. If it's something you want to do. Awesome. One hundred percent of the fees go straight into the scholarship. We're not benefiting financially in any way it's they're all going to the kids and you know like we discussed earlier man um you know i've grown up coaching kids my entire life so when i thought you know i want to give back a little bit and and i'd like to raise some money for for a good cause um i just kept going back to to kids to kids kids youth services somehow well a few months back i started training a, a gal who works at this ranch and so she started educating me on the ranch and, um, I thought, God, what a perfect opportunity. So it was, it was a great opportunity for us to, uh, myself and a gal that I work with, uh, Lemon House Media here locally. It was a great opportunity for us to kind of put together this, this fundraiser and, you know, try to give back to these kids. Um, but it's a, it's a neat, it's a neat place. And if you go to our, uh, Facebook page, um, the fundraiser page, we're doing updates on it. We just did a photo shoot there this morning, and we're going to post some photos of the place, and uh, we're going to do a little promo video next week, hopefully. And uh, it's just a neat deal, man. It's it's a lot awesome. of fun to do. So, if you guys got it in your hearts and you want to throw five dollars in the pot, or fifteen dollars, or twenty dollars, you want to skip your Starbucks trip today, man. It would it would mean a lot to me. It would mean a lot to these kids. So that's, that's what awesome, we're doing, man. man. I will. Uh, I'll put that whichever link works best for that one directly. I'll put that in the show notes for this also. Okay. So people can, if, be if you have trouble, that. let me know and I can shoot yeah. you the link over on private. Yep. Message I'll, or something. I'll put that in the, in the show notes. So people have that when they listen to the episode too. So, yeah, well, man, uh, thanks for making time. I had a blast talking to you today. I'm sure we'll talk some more coming up soon. So yeah, uh, definitely. I appreciate you having on, me on buddy. All right. Have yeah. a good one. Mm-hmm.